Good morning, church. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well, as you do every Sunday. Welcome, you made it in that rain. It was, anybody else had uh, the experience getting here this morning in the weather? I know I did. I had to park like somebody who has ticket money um, in order to get in church, so I will be raising a special offering for that ticket that will be on my car after service. Um, but as you know, we are starting a new series today. Uh, this Sunday has been packed with all sorts of fun uh, information and things that are happening. I know today's really busy at church. The youth have something um, going on afterwards. We'll be celebrating Constance at the end of service, and don't worry, uh, we will have a time of prayer and blessing uh, for her as well. So in case you were wondering, did they forget? We didn't. So you can relax and be able to get into the message as much as possible, uh, knowing we'll do that. But we are going to go ahead and get into today's message, if that's all right with you. I'm going to start in the beginning of John. So I want you to go with me to John chapter 1. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. I also heard that you all do verses on the screen. I, I didn't know that, but you know what? I'll make sure I get that to the media team next time for those of you who are used to that. But in the meantime, you can grab one of those Bibles or your gadgets, and I think you'll be all good. Is that all right? John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and this life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 10, he came into, he came into this very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Let's pray. Father, we come before You and we thank You so much that you are a good father and you love to give good gifts. We thank you for the gift of this day, for this is the day that you have made, and we pray that we would continue to rejoice and be glad in it. We ask, God, that during this time of the Word, God, that you would uh, give us, God, clarity on what we need, that by the power of your Spirit, you would come in this place, that you would change us, challenge us, draw us into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are grateful and we are ready. Let your Word fall on good soil. Somebody say good soil. This morning in Jesus' name. 
we pray, amen. So this is one of my favorite books in the, um, or chapters in the Gospel of John. John is essentially trying to get his readers to understand two things, uh, who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. And so really quickly, I just want to give an explanation of what John talks about here and give an explanation of the word logos. So today when we think about who Jesus is, we think about it typically, usually, in reference to the work of the cross, and almost exclusively, we think about the sacrifice that was made for us so that we could be reconciled to God when we think about Jesus, where, as John's original audience, um, as John talks about the Logos, they, they wouldn't have really understood that. Uh, but when this Greek and Jewish audience thought about God, they actually thought about creation. Creation was their main point of reference when it came to understanding who God was. And so let me just, you know, give you a little heads up here. We're going to be heavy on Scripture today. Uh, so I'll reference a lot of things, so just feel free to keep that notes app open or jot it down as I go along, okay? So Romans chapter 1 verse 19, it says, they know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So John uses this sort of understanding to elaborate on who Jesus is. So he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Greek word for that is logos, right? So in the beginning was logos, which was this philosophical term which was used to argue things. John is using this term to argue the existence of Jesus. Y'all with me so far? So when John says, in the beginning was Logos, their minds automatically go to the creation story. They understand Logos uh, not to simply be the words that God spoke and then things were created. They understood Logos to be the invisible force that created and sustains creation. And this force took on personal attributes, so they came to see this force as the cosmic mediator between God and the world. You're going to have to go back and watch this sermon to get that part. So they, they, they see and begin to understand Logos says, here is this invisible attribute in which we have just described or attributed to creation. Now we know that it's held together by something, and John argues it's not just something that's holding it together, it is the Son of God which does so. So since John is trying to explain who Jesus is, he lets his reader know that the Word, the Logos, is not some just simple invisible force or an unseen cosmic mediator, he says the Word more specifically is Jesus. The Word, the force that instigated creation is not what you think it is, but it has moved out of the mysterious cosmic realms and it has taken on flesh. He's saying the Word is Jesus. Jesus existed in the beginning. Nothing that was made was made without Him. He gave life to all that was 
created. He brings light to everything and everyone. He is God. He is the light and life giver. John is making a hefty argument already in just a few verses. But John wants to make sure he places emphasis on the light and life that Jesus brings. So I want to talk about that. Let's talk about that life and that life. In verse 4 that we already read, it says, the Word gave life to everything that was created. I'm going to take some time and teach this morning, if that's okay. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. What does this mean? Jesus is the life giver. Life is God's original gift to His creation. That's why you and I are sitting here today. We are living in God's blessing for us in this very moment. But then John describes something called a new life. A new life. In verse 12, he says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. What is John describing and putting an emphasis on? He's talking about a spiritual birth that there is going to be a rebirth of who we are as people, a spiritual rebirth, a new birth that brings new life, a new birth that releases us from spiritual darkness. But more specifically, what is this spiritual darkness? What does it look like? Because the Bible tells us that people walk in darkness and don't even realize it. The spiritual darkness can be described as the active rebellion and resistance to the things of God. You may say that's a pretty clear description. How can people walk in that sort of darkness and not realize it? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, because remember we're heavy on verses today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them, where rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Actually, let me just keep going because it's so good. It says, your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, the whole body is filled with what? Light. But when your eye is bad, the whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have, this is, this, listen to this. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. <laughs> No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That whole money piece just seems almost out of place when you look at this, because we're talking about darkness and light. And somehow Jesus begins to speak about uh, uh, our earthly possessions and wealth within the context 
of darkness and light. More specifically, Jesus is trying to get us to understand something. I'm just going to take a little side road real quick, and I'm going to come back. Jesus is saying, um, he's trying to say to us, money is not the problem. The bag, that's what some people call it. Yeah, the bag. That's what the young people say, Cece. The young people say that. Um, that isn't the problem. Rather, the dogged pursuit of it is, <laughs> in which the goodness of God's resources are minimized, are dismissed in exchange for something that is temporary and short-lived. He says when your eye becomes focused on the temporary things of this life, you lose sight of what is eternal. Jesus is saying don't lose sight of the eternal. Don't lose sight, we're swinging back to the light, don't lose sight of the light. Because when the light, Christ comes into your life, you will be called to change the way you live in the most radical, amazing way that you could ever imagine. I don't know if uh, everybody's story of coming to Jesus, but I know when I came to Jesus, my life, my habits radically changed. Not overnight, but as I continued to walk with him and understand him, I, I lived and made choices differently. And I'm sure many of you who have been walking with the Lord can understand that. But we get to a place where we don't live how we used to live. <laughs> the way we used to live, perhaps thoughtlessly, right? We begin to let our life be filled and guided by the Spirit. We begin to demonstrate that we belong to God by living counterculturally, yeah, living differently than what we see happening in the world. Jesus again tells us in Matthew chapter 5 to just go along with this countercultural um, theme we have going on. He says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I know this is what you've heard, right? He says, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court, and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Give to those who ask and do not turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For in this way, you are acting as children of God. Why do? all of this. God, why, why do all of this? Because God wants us to know what it means to live righteously, and righteousness does not insist on its own way. Jesus calls us to live apart, that there should be something about every believer, every Christ follower that distinguishes us from everyone else, distinguishes us from the world, and that is God calling us out of darkness into the light. Much like Paul, right, 
on the road to Damascus. He's knocked down. He's blinded, but in his blindness, he was given real light. He was given true revelation. Jesus wants to give us true light. He wants to move us from places where we are in darkness to have full revelation of who He is and what He can do. He wants to do this because not only does it bring glory to His name, but it brings glory and attention to the kingdom. Listen, Jesus didn't come just to save us. He came to secure God's kingdom on the earth. And so, with that being said, sin just can't run amok, if you will. <laughs> he said, the light is coming. When the light is come, things must change. Darkness will be exposed. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will live in the light. You will have the light, and that will lead to life. That will lead to life if you just have the light. It will lead to life if you have the true light. Jesus gave this message, and you know what people did when He said this? They argued with Him. <laughs> they rejected Him. But Jesus didn't let that stop him because he knew he was the light. He still believed that God wanted to bring his kingdom to the earth. He refused because he was the light. He refused to be stopped by darkness. He knew it could not happen because of who he was and what he carried. He was confident that the kingdom's work would prosper in the earth. Jesus had foresight. He, he knew. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of the garden plants. It grows into a tree, and the birds come and make their nest in the branch. Jesus uses illustrations like this and many more to discuss the kingdom of God, because now he's saying, listen, now that the light is here, the kingdom can be more widely proclaimed and perceived. The good news is here to set people free and set the world ablaze. Growth is coming. And when I say growth, I mean expansion. I mean change. He was saying progress. Growth is coming. But people were having a hard time wrapping their minds around that. They were going, Jesus, if you were this powerful light, how are these things still happening? How are you giving us messages uh, about praying for our enemies and turning the other cheek? That seems very weak. It seems too small in comparison to who you say you are. It seems too small in the mission that you say that you carry, Jesus. Can I tell you something? Don't, small, don't despise small beginnings. <laughs> don't get weary in the well-doing. Why? Because growth is coming. <laughs> growth is 
coming. God's redemption package came in the form of a baby. Now, see, that didn't make any sense, but his redemption package came in the form of a baby. People didn't recognize who he would become, but growth was coming. He was in the temple as a young boy studying scripture, and people looked at him strangely perplexed and confused, but growth was coming. He was his father's apprentice. Ah, making furniture with Joseph. People didn't know who he was, but growth was coming. I'm okay to preach to myself. He didn't have any followers, but growth was coming. Nobody believed his message, <laughs> but growth was coming. They called him a blasphemer. They called him a liar, but growth was coming. They nailed him to the cross, pierced him in his side. They buried him, counted him as dead, but growth. You don't have to say it was coming. He was raised from the dead, elevated to sit at the right hand of the Father where every knee would bow, every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father that He is Lord. See, growth was coming. Here's what I need you to know today, and as we enter into this series about who Jesus is, Him being the source, I need you to know that growth is coming. Hold on to that message as you think about Jesus. I don't care what the world may be telling you. I don't care what kind of diagnosis you may have received. I don't care about what sort of obstacles you may be experiencing in the sense that you have to know that growth is coming. You are being pruned but really you're just being groomed. <laughs> you're being tried and you're being tested, but why? Growth is coming. Don't get tired. Don't get tired. <laughs> Let the Spirit of God carry you in times of weariness because you have to know this. The Word promises that God is not mocked. For whatsoever a person sows, that shall they also reap. The Bible promises us that those who sow in tears will reap in shouts of joy. Though weeping may endure for a night, joy will come in the morning. Growth is coming. Growth is coming. Increase your faith in this season to see that you serve a mighty God. You have to know that no matter what you have going on, <laughs> you don't have to worry because you have the light. You can check the source. And he says he is the light, and he is the life. And the light that's inside of you is ready to invade 
this world. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and yet the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface. Let me read that again and hear the words and try to envision this picture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters, but the Spirit of God was hovering. Ah. I know it may be dark, but the Spirit of God is hovering. I know the plan may not make sense. It hasn't fully formed yet, but the Spirit of God is hovering. You may not understand it all right now, but the Spirit of God is hovering. You may not be able to fully grasp why God had you go through that loss and that time of sickness or hurt or depression, but the Spirit hovers in the darkness. And there is a hovering just before God speaks. And sometimes we look for Him to speak before we acknowledge that the Spirit is hovering. Ah. God will make us stop to acknowledge that His Spirit is hovering. And then He speaks. Huh. Genesis 1 and 3 says, God then says, let there be light. And there it was, and the light was good. See, this is why I could say God is a good father and he loves to give good gifts because as his spirit hovers and we sense and we acknowledge and we feel that we just have to wait in anticipation for God to speak because we know that his word is true. And he says, let there be light and the light shows up and the light is good. But God is so good now that we don't even have to wait for that. The Bible says we could come boldly before his throne in times of help when we need mercy. So we don't have to wait for God to say, let there be light because he's already spoken it, we can say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And really we're saying, come, like come. And when we say that, it is good. <laughs> when we say, God, come, and Jesus shows up, it is good. It is all good. Because as the Spirit hovered over the water in the beginning, He rests on us, and that resting brings pressure, not in a bad way. It moves us to the light, and when the light shows up, it is good. God wants us to see that the source we're looking for is in the light. 
even if there are moments and situations and circumstances in our life that are formless, that are empty, that are deep, that are dark. He still says that there is light. The Spirit, hear this, is hovering today. <laughs> He's hovering today, waiting for us to declare, let there be light. See, because He already spoke it. Waiting for us to declare, let there be light. So I want to invite us as we enter into this series, that when we begin to enter times that seem formless, that seem to be dark, discouraging, too deep to even make sense of, that we can summon God's light and life. We can say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Because when Jesus shows up, darkness has to flee. When Jesus shows up, demons begin to tremble and flee. When Jesus shows up, healing can come like a wave. When Jesus shows up, he brings the peace that surpasses all understanding. When Jesus shows up, it is good. It is all good. So my invitation to you today and throughout this series when you find yourself in a dark place or in a hard time or a hard moment, that you would say, come Lord Jesus, come. That you would go back to the source, which is that light, and when the light shows up, it's good. It's all good. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this light and this life that you are. We are grateful because you have come to establish the kingdom on this earth. And you say, not without us though. And we are humbled and we are grateful, God, that not only are you the light, but because of your sacrifice, because of your work, the light now dwells in us. So help us be light bearers, image bearers, cross carriers, who are mission burdened to see the kingdom established in the earth. If you agree, would you just say amen? <laughs> 